Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, I featured Che Lovelace. He is based in Port of Spain, Trinidad, and his art originates primarily from his experience of living and working in Trinidad and Tobago. The subjects of his paintings emerge from and flow freely between the streets of Port of Spain to the rural natural vegetation, to the human form, and back to the interior of his studio. His recent solo exhibitions have been at Various Small Fires in Los Angeles in 2021, Gallery Eric Poussinon in Paris, and Half Gallery in New York. Recent group exhibitions have been Resting Point of Accommodation at Almeinreich in Brussels, Get Up, Stand Up Now, Somerset House London, and Still Life, an ongoing story, Gallery Sebastian Bertrand Geneva. Che has been a principal collaborator on several arts, carnival, and entertainment projects, and his practice increasingly includes elements of performance which he absorbs into his painting process. He also currently lectures at the University of the West Indies Creative Arts Department. Please read his expanded bio and enjoy this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast featuring Che Lovelace. Che, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I'm, I'm delighted to feature you. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here for this. From your fabulous country with fresh air and beautiful things. <laughs> um, so let's start with you sharing with us, when did you discover your artistic passion? I would say that I was quite possibly always a pretty um, imaginative kid, I think, now that I look back on it. Just, you know, in my head a lot, imagining things, being this, being that, role-playing a lot, you know, so... I um maybe maybe that was there very early on, but in a strict sense, when it comes to visual art, I would say that um that would have happened in high school when I was around fourteen or so. I had a, a teacher in um, Queens Royal College, which is in Port of Spain here, and um, his name is Jackie Hinkson. We're still good friends. He's a really good artist especially his watercolors, but he works in oils as well as he is also a sculptor. Anyway, he was a teacher of mine during that period. And I always remember him, you know, I can actually remember when, you know, we were doing drawing class and he said, you know, and I always thought my drawings were a little bit sloppy, which they they are and were, (laughs) but um, I guess it's really something else he was looking for. And he saw, you know, that he said, you know, there's a spirit in this. I remember him saying that, you know, there's there's an energy, there's something in this. And I just remember um, that being very encouraging to hear, I guess. And I guess even at that early age, I was looking for I guess, a way to start being a bit more consistently creative. And um, 
when he said that, I said, well, okay, this, this, maybe there is a little something here. Let me just start to work with this. And that was really the beginning. And I think I've been making art ever since that time, that, that class. <laughs> it's great to have someone encourage you when you're young like that. I do hear a little something. Is that a bird? Um, we would have birds around here. This is quite in the nature zone. Okay. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Let's keep going. Okay. Mm -hmm. You would. You, you would definitely hear some birds and. Yeah, some birds. I hear all of that. You as might well. even hear. You might even hear. Um, we have. I where I live is there's a, a kind of wildlife park. Um, not not like for people to visit. It's just on the edge of a, a natural reserve. So there are also monkeys. <laughs> So you might <laughs> so if you hear screeching and stuff, it's it's just yes, I'm not killing anyone, it's just a monkey. <laughs> that's a, that's wonderful. <laughs> so so when you were young, what type of paintings or what type of work were you really drawn to? I guess, you know, when you're that age, I mean you're drawn to what you instinctively are drawn to, you know, like there are things that I felt like once I came across an image and I, uh, in a book or something, I was drawn to it. I, I don't know why, you know, I was talking about that with a friend the other day. I'm not sure why or how these things work, you know, where these sensibilities come from. But um, there were always a few artists that I was drawn to when I looked through books. You know, I always like, um, you know, in classical art, I always like El Greco, for example, because I tend to like those elongated figures. I liked um, Edward Munch. I liked Van Gogh, and you know, and and I guess I came to like Matisse a bit later on. But then there were a lot of there's you know Trinidad during the time I was growing up would have been a very vibrant art scene as well. A lot of painters, and there were quite a few figures around me. Um, you know, through my family, my dad is a writer, so he would have been in contact with a lot of artists um, as well. And um, so some of that work, like people like Leroy Clark and Bosco Holder, Carlisle Chang, there were quite a few artists who were operating at that time um, who I would have seen, you know, um, and who would have influenced me. So when you walk into your studio and you approach a blank canvas, what overcomes you? I, you know, honestly, I don't think there's, um, it's hard to romanticize this process. <laughs> <laughs> It's really difficult to do it. You know, it, just, it never seems that romantic to me. Um, unfortunately, it, it's it's really um, you know it, it's it's a patchy process. It's never one thing or the next. You know, I mean, there's sometimes I feel a bit inspired by things I've been thinking or reading or looking at, and that might make me feel more enthusiastic about getting on with an image, but. I tend to just look at it as um, let me go and move things around. Let me play. Let me let me let me just kind of enter into this thing, you know. Um, so I, that's that's why I tend to not even have always a set image in my head. You know, I enter the painting very much as a place to play, to to try things out, to just try around, try colors out, you know, try different types of movements out, and then. I let other types of information sink in. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but it's very much, uh, I go into it quite open 
um, is probably how what, what I would describe it as. As a follow-up to that, explain to us or share with us your process. Process varies. I always have believed that um, I, I'm the type of person that become I become bored quite quite easily, you know, depending on on um, what I'm doing. I need to have different types of beginnings, different types of endings, different types of processes. I mean, when I look at the work or if someone, you know, objectively is looking at the work or looking at me working, they would see consistencies and whatnot. I'm not saying that there aren't, but in my head, I'm always trying to, I guess, put things on their head, you know, like to invert things. So if I started with a drawing in this painting, the next painting i want to start with abstract splashing and just you know playing with paint and then let the drawing come afterwards i find by destabilizing the the process by which i begin i find that kind of sets me on a new journey it makes me feel like i'm making something new every time like i'm on a new journey every time and that's that's how i like to feel painting i don't like to feel like okay i'm getting good at making this type of painting that's that's exactly when i get worried um when i when i think i'm getting good at making a type of painting that's exactly when i want to have some kind of upheaval and i want to almost destroy that so i can find a new way to make a painting. And after that process, hopefully some things start to emerge and I am more engaged in that process. So that's how I tend to approach um, the process of making paintings. Yeah, you, you can't possibly get bored with that approach. Well, I tend to, <laughs> yes, I fight against it for sure. So what do you enjoy most about being a visual artist? I don't know, the freedom, you know, I would have to say, I, I think that, that maybe even as a young boy, I probably saw something in the practice of being an artist, which was filled with um, pleasure and pain, obviously, because, you know, I, see, I, I looked around and saw a lot of artists who were struggling. My own father, for example, never had money. And, you know, so I, I knew that it's difficult to, to be an artist um, from a certain perspective. But I also felt that um, this would be a pursuit that would be long. It would be very difficult which means I wouldn't get bored with it. You know, it's something that I, I, I would have to be engaged with for a long time to get any good at it. And that was attractive to me. Um, so I feel that sense of freedom and not just freedom, but the difficulty of being an artist is also interesting. It's difficult. And I like the idea of something that's difficult because it keeps you engaged and it can keep you engaged for your entire life, you know? So, yeah. And when you're working, do you ever think about who your audience is? No, no. I tend to not. Um, I mean, sometimes if I'm making a painting, especially now that more people are looking at my work, I guess, you know, the, it was a long time before, you know, people were really seeing what I was doing. There was really no audience. So now I may... <laughs> Thankfully, I have been trained for a long time not thinking about an audience. So it's a little easier for me now to forget the audience, which is good. But I do sometimes think about um, 
the people who I respect, like some of the other artists or, or maybe not even artists, but people whose opinion I, I appreciate and um, look forward to sometimes, I might think about what they might think of the painting, you know, mm-hmm. and that might be uh, a way for me to make a decision or not. So that's interesting sometimes. I read that you're very involved with Carnival and that you're a, a masquerader. What does that mean? Um, it just sounds so exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, carnival is a very complex, layered type of phenomenon, um, which involves, of course, you know, performance, sound, you know, costuming, and whatnot. My own involvement has been, I guess, multi-layered as well. However, um, I do masquerade as a blue devil, which is a type of traditional character that we have in Trinidad. Um, so I tend to, I'm connected to a group or a band, what we call a band, who um, parade in this particular character. So everybody in this band will be Blue Devils. Um, other costuming traditions in Trinidad vary. Like there are different types of characters like bats and Dame Lorraine. Dame Lorraine is a female character with exaggerated breasts and bottom, which is played by both men and women. Um, you have jab jabs, which uh, like peregrinades who look a bit like harlequins with whips. It's very complex uh, <laughs> set of figures. I won't go through all of them. And then of course, there's the what called pretty mass, which is, you know, I guess what one would um, connect with when you see, when you look at, think about Brazil, and those types of costumes, those very sexy, extravagant, showgirl-style costumes, yes. So we also have a lot of that, which is sort of, I would say, the most popular mass. We also have something called Jouvé, which is in French, Jou Ouvert. It's a abbreviation of to, uh, to that title. Opening day, Jou Ouvert, right? So that's the opening day of Carnival. So that's usually on Monday. And it's marked by this ritual, ritual event, if you would, which I've been involved with for many years um, in terms of organizing one. My band is called Friends for the Road. And it's basically, you know, we put, we, we, uh, this happens on the road through the streets of Port of Spain and different areas of Trinidad. It's a very special, soulful event um, for in carnival and one that it's is rooted in the i would say the beginnings of the carnival itself in the emancipation um of slaves african slaves marked this time with celebrations um and parades and it's connected to that and and there's something about the morning period you know like four o'clock in the morning to it goes from like four till eight or nine to to be on the street during this time with the sun coming up you know the kind of darkness to light there all those metaphors really play into the you know the event and how it how it unfolds so it's it's really a special a special time and um, i've been involved in that quite a bit and it's a big part of i guess something that somehow marks my work, you know, and, and, and affects what I do in, in painting as well. I see all of these things as kind of connected somehow. Do you, do you see Blue Devil throughout? Blue Devils, uh, definitely. Um, the, Blue Devil <laughs> character, the Blue Devil character is, uh, is a character that's very uninhibited, 
you know, I mean, it is a devil, so it should be a bit terrifying. And, uh, you know, I have never really been too, so interested in, in the origins of the Blue Devil, but I know that when I'm in that character, the movements and the contortions and the dance, as well as the sound, it's always danced to a particular um, percussive sound that is made from you know, tins beat it being hit in a particular way, a kind of a rhythmic, monotonous beat. So it's it's really special. And um, I found some years ago that um, I was able to understand the movement of bodies in my own work through participating in a Blue Devil masquerade. So in that sense, Carnival has been informing how I work with bodies a lot in, in, my, in my painting. It's really been a way for me to channel type of energy of the body into my work in this kind of Caribbean body, which I've been very interested in. So it's, um, you know, even from a practical point of view, I tend to perform a lot of the movements that I'm trying to capture in my paintings. And I think the carnival experience has definitely enriched that entire process when do the titles of your paintings enter the creative process rarely very rarely i'm not a big uh titles person honestly um titles i tend to do very simple straightforward actually i people tend to get frustrated with my titles they're like you know <laughs> like you know i'm like you know red table with a, a plant next year you know i was like okay yeah, let's yeah. Whatever is there, is, that's the title. But every now and then I get a title that um, like it pops into my head very, very rarely. A title pops into my head and it may actually drive me towards a painting. Like um, trying to remember something. Nothing comes to my head right now, but I know there have been some titles which in a sense might have come before painting. And maybe it may not have been an immediate response, but at some point I get around to understanding what that title meant and actually naming a painting like that. But usually titles for me come after the painting is done or maybe when it's almost done, I start to think about what's coming to me. But it's usually quite understated and I go for a simpler, more straightforward, understated approach when it comes to titles. Nothing too extravagant and fancy. How would you define Black art? Black art has always been a sort of problematic uh, title for me, you know. Um, I, I feel like it's a categorization that, that maybe limits the production of artists who may be outside of the, you know, I guess the main canons of art, the main mainstream of um, Western culture. So I feel like moving forward, it's, it's more important to... Um, take a longer time to describe things than put a very quick tag on them, you know? So I like the, I like, you know, and then I don't even know what black art looks like, you know, does it, how does it, how do we define it? So it's, it's always been a little bit difficult for me to wrap my head around how to, how to use that term. Um, if somebody asks me, what do I do? I mean, I make art. If you ask me where I'm from, well, I'm from Trinidad. If you ask me, what my background is. I say, well, I'm African and Indian background. And, you know, I, I like a slower, more nuanced process of naming and of categorizing, well, not even categorizing, I wouldn't want to use that word, but of, of, of describing, you know, I would like a slower process to describe rather than a, 
a quick tag, you know, so I tend to avoid it. Yeah. So I, I can't give too much information as to what, what exactly is black art. What's your uh, studio like? My studio is um, in an old, it's in an old army base in <laughs> Trinidad. During World War II, the American army was here during that period. And they sort of set up on a, a huge army base in this area called Chagaramas, which is in the west, western part of Port of Spain. And when the war was over, years after they left, and the government reclaimed this area and have done different things with it. Um, there is a lot of boating industries and stuff, um, dry docks on one side. Where I am at is a little bit more nature-oriented, and um, it's quite beautiful. And it's in, interestingly, it's it's this strange intersection of history and, I guess, natural, you know, natural beauty, if you would. You know, it's kind of it's kind of right on the north, on the edge of the north coast. So so the mountains are close, the sea is close. Um, it could be very dense in a sense, like very, a little intense, I should say, in terms of the <laughs> you know, like you're, you're living with, uh, like I was just telling you earlier on, you know, <laughs> the monkeys and the, you know, and of course all the insects and like now that we have rainy season, you know, when the rain falls, you would just get like massive influxes of rain flies. And so that also is very humbling um, when you live in a, in a, in a spot like this, but on the flip side, it's been, um, it's been an amazing place to, to paint. You know, it, I, I grew up in the countryside uh, in a place called Matura, which is on the East Coast. And when, you know, since I've been an adult and working as an artist, I've pretty much always worked in more urban studios, you know, in Port of Spain itself. So this is the first sort of, I feel like a homecoming to my childhood. And it, it really did spark a return to organic and vegetation forms in my work, which has been, yeah, which has been really useful, you know, in terms of expanding my own language as, an, as a painter. Sounds like a, a healthy environment to be in. So this is our last question. And that is, what do you feel is your role as an artist? I feel it's to cultivate creativity and freedom as much as I can. Um, I decided early on that I'm going to live a creative life and I feel my role is really to stay true to that. And um, that I feel will always lead me to the place I need to go to and um, also give me the opportunity to share the most that I can share with with my community and with this world and this time. So that's, that's my role. Well, you, it sounds like you have a, a very exciting life there. I, I enjoy looking at your work very much. It's, um, it's like I said, uplifting. Thank you. Thank you so much. But uh, thank you so much for your time. I've enjoyed this conversation. I enjoyed it as well, Phyllis. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.